your Bible and turn with me to Genesis chapter uh, 3. Genesis chapter 3. And you can hold your place there. Today, um, we're continuing on in our series, Shadows of Christ. And uh, Shadows of Christ, we, we started that last week with the bronze serpent, uh, the snake lifted up on a pole in the wilderness by Moses. And then Jesus saying, hey, remember that snake in the wilderness that, that Moses lifted up after the, they were poisoned, right? They had to look at it in faith and they were healed. Well, I'm, I'm that snake. I'm the, I'm the son of man. The son of man must also be lifted up so that everyone who looks at him and believes in him would have life, right? We, we tied that together. We saw that there's a shadow or a type of Christ in the Old Testament. And, um, and I want to, before I get really into this, I want to differentiate in this series um, shadows and types, at least the way I want to define them. Um, I think there's, we would call shadows of Christ or types of Christ very, very specific. And, um, and when we talk about shadows, I talked about this last week, the idea of, of a shadow is like, there's a hint of something here, right? There's like a, a, an essence there. I, I see a shadow. I'm not sure what the full thing is here. Uh, but, but we dive into that. And, and I even talked about how in shadows, we don't just play a game of tag with shadows. We play a game of tag with actually people. So although we see shadows and, 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 and they, they kind of give us a glimmer of something else, uh, our desire is to embrace the substance of that shadow, which is Christ. We see that in Colossians as well. Um, so when we look at shadows, here's what I would, I would say about a shadow. Uh, and this is a saying that has been about Scripture and about the Old Testament and about the Bible in itself. But it's this, that every word in the Bible. Every word whispers his name. Every word whispers his name. So as we look through the scriptures, it's all about Jesus. There's not a part of it that's not about Jesus, about God's covenant love for us, about pointing to the Messiah, and about how, how we can have life through him. It's all about him. But when we talk about, so when we talk about shadows, we can, we can see him all over the place. When we talk about types, there's a little bit more criteria around a type of, of Christ. And the, the criteria that I found, and, and researchers and scholars have said is this, that, that there's two, it's twofold. One, that it's, it's that God sovereignly established this as an example. Like he, in his sovereignty, he said, this is going to be served as an example. And, and then coupled with part two of that, what makes a type, not only is God sovereignly establishing it, but the authors under the divine inspiration of the Holy Spirit, um, are, 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 they understand that it is, it is actually a type, that it's, it's to be noted as a type, and it's to be written as a type, and, and they want us to notice it. So it's to be noted and noticed, right? That's what the author's intent would be. And today we're looking at the story of Joseph in the Old Testament. Uh, he's found in Genesis chapter 37, and we're going to read uh, a great portion of Scripture today, uh, but I, it's, it's chapter 37 through 46. So I just found it to be a lot, right? So I found my handy-dandy storybook Bible, okay? This is actually my kids, but I, I tell you what, this is so rich, and I've told you before, how just amazing it is to, to reveal uh, the overarching story of Scripture. Um, if you're having a tough day or tough week, just pick one of these up and read it, and I tell you what, it's awesome. And if you don't want to be embarrassed because you're reading it, then find a kid, bring them around, and then read it, and then they can benefit too. But I, I found the story of uh, the forgiving prince in, uh, from Genesis chapter 37 uh, through uh, 46, and we're, we're going to read that together um, here in a moment. Again, last week we saw the bronze snake, and that was kind of an easy one. I said we'll start off with an easy one. Then as, then as we transition today into Joseph, um, he is the rejected and exalted one. He's the forgiving prince who was rejected and exalted. And if we, if we see that model, we're going to see that through Genesis today, and we're going to see that tied in with Christ, and you're going to see how that's a shadow and a type of Christ. So I'm going to pray for us, and then I'm going to read our storybook Bible together. All right? Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for your love and for your grace. We thank you that we can come here today and, and worship you. God, that we can offer ourselves to you. And God, as we come to gather together, God, this isn't about us. 
It's not about what we want or prefer. It's about what's best, what you would have in store for us. And God, how you would inspire us from your word to look on Christ, to see Christ, to embrace Christ. And God, how we would grow to be deeply committed followers of Jesus. And God, thank you for the opportunity we have to be brothers and sisters and God, to be a family of God, to gather and, and, and hold each other accountable, to encourage one another, God, to sing songs to one another, to pray for one another. We're thankful for that. We're thankful for the opportunity to pray and lift up our brothers and sisters. God, even today as we, we we're reminded and think about uh, those around the world who are suffering today, God, as there's conflict that escalates, God, we know that people suffer. God, so we pray for, God, specifically now, the people involved in this conflict, God, the people of Ukraine who are st- staying strong, who are, who are fleeing, God, who are in desperate need. We pray that you would make yourself real to them, that you would supply for their needs. God, we pray for the, the Christian brothers and sisters who are in Ukraine. God, those who are trying to stand strong and to, to be a witness for Christ, that you would give them blessing and give them peace. Make them aware of your presence and your strength. We remember them, God, today, this Sunday morning. God, where they may be gathered in subways or in bomb shelters, God, or in nooks and crannies everywhere, that you would just be reminding them of your goodness and your grace. And God, we see the conflict in the world, and it reminds us of the conflict that has always taken place, God, since the dawn of time. So God, today we look at that, and, and God, remind us today as, as we look at conflict, as we look at this hostility, remind us of the one who conquered, the one who wins. May we put our faith and hope in him. Guide us this morning, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, storybook Bible time. Jacob had 12 sons, but, all of his, uh, but of all of his sons, Joseph was his favorite. One day, Jacob gave Joseph a splendid robe. It was beautiful and rich with all the colors of the rainbow, but it made Joseph's brothers jealous. They wanted rich robes, too. Then to make matters worse, Joseph kept on having these special dreams. I dreamed I was the greatest. I was king, Joseph told his brothers. And you all bowed down to me. Now I'm sure you know, even if Joseph didn't, that telling your brothers things like this isn't a very good idea. Joseph's brothers hated him even more. They wanted to kill Joseph and his dreams. And one day, that's exactly what they tried to do. They tore Joseph's rainbow robe off of him and sold him to slave traders, for 20 pieces of silver. The traders took Joseph to Egypt and made him into a slave. The brothers went home and lied to their father, telling him that Joseph was dead. That's the end of the dreamer, they thought, but they were wrong. God had a magnificent dream for Joseph's life, and even when it looked like everything had gone wrong, God would use it all to help make the dream come true. God would use everything that was happening to Joseph to do something good. Meanwhile, though, things were not looking good for Joseph in Egypt. He was far from home and and from his dad, and then he got blamed for something he didn't do, and even though he had done nothing wrong, he was punished and thrown in jail. But God had not left Joseph. One night, Pharaoh, the king of Egypt, had a scary dream about thin cows gobbling up fat cows. What on earth did it mean? He didn't know. But Joseph was a dream expert, so Pharaoh sent for him. It means a famine is coming. Joseph explained, there won't be enough food. 
Pharaoh was so pleased by Joseph's skill that he immediately took Joseph out of jail and made him a prince. Now back home, Joseph's brothers had run out of food and everyone was hungry. God's special family was in danger. If they didn't get food soon, they would starve to death. So Joseph's brothers traveled to Egypt to buy food. They came and knelt before the new prince. His brothers didn't know that the prince was Joseph, but Joseph knew who they were. Joseph's dream, the one about his brothers bowing down to him, was coming true. It's me, Joseph cried. When they saw it, it was Joseph. His brothers were afraid, and they had wronged Joseph. They had sinned, and they knew it. Now Joseph would certainly punish them. But Joseph looked at his brothers, and his eyes filled with tears. Even though his brothers had hurt him and hated him and wanted him dead, in spite of everything, he couldn't stop loving them. His heart, which they had broken, filled up with love, and Joseph forgave them. Joseph threw his arms around them. Don't be afraid, he said. Behind what you were doing, underneath everything that was happening, God was doing something good. God was making everything right again. Joseph didn't punish them. He rescued them. He, he brought God's family, special family to live safely with him in Egypt. And one day, God would send another prince, a young prince whose heart would break. And like Joseph, he would leave his home and his father. His brothers would hate him and, and want him dead. He would be sold for pieces of silver. He would be punished even though he had done nothing wrong. But God would use everything that happened to this young prince, even the bad things, to do something good, to forgive the sins of the whole world. You see how beautiful that shadow and type connection is there? So we're, we're going to look at that today, and I think it was easier to see that than to read chapters 37 or through, 30, through 46 together, and it would be here all day. But I would love for you to do that on your own. I would love for you to take that time and do some homework and, and read through this story in its entirety and see this amazing shadow and type of Christ. Again, uh, I want us to just reiterate in Colossians 2, this is a kind of the theme verse of the series, these are shadows of what is to come, but the substance is Christ. What we're to grab onto, what we're to hold onto, what we're to, to, to remain, remain attached to is Jesus. Not, not just old stories and, and accounts of what happened. Those are true, true stories, and they're, they're great, and we should look at them, but they are shadows, and they point to Jesus Christ. So today we're looking at the rejected and exalted one, right? The rejected and exalted one. That's the shadow. We see the rejected and exalted one of Joseph, and we see that connecting to Jesus as well. So in that rejected and exalted one, we have three different elements here. First, number one is this. It's the fraternal conflict, not the eternal conflict. On your notes, it says eternal. And I, I wrote it originally as the eternal conflict, because when you think about eternal in that sense, it's like, oh yeah, it's the age-old thing, right? From forever to forever, it seems like it's always going to have this conflict happening between good and evil. But if we really think about the word eternal, it means from, from really forever to forever. And what we know before creation, there wasn't this eternal conflict happening, right? The, the Trinity of God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, uh, co-equal and, and coexistent together, were perfectly at peace and perfectly in harmony with one another. They needed nothing. And there was no good and evil at that point. So we know it's not eternal conflict in that sense. It just feels eternal sometimes to us because it's always going on. But it's more of a fraternal conflict, the idea of brother conflict between people, right? Human beings having conflict with one another. And that conflict started back in the Garden of Eden. That's what we're going to pick up here in Genesis chapter 3. So it's the fraternal conflict. And we see Genesis 3, 
Adam and Eve were created, and Adam and Eve sinned against God. The serpent tempted them, and the serpent lied and said, did God really say, and, and God doesn't want you to be like them. All these temptations that came down, eventually they ate of the fruit. Well, then God came on the scene, and, and this is what he says in Genesis 3 at 14 and 15. He says, uh, so the Lord said this to the serpent, because you have done this, you are cursed more than any of the other livestock and more than any wild animal. You will move on your belly, and you will eat the dust all the days of your life. And I will put hostility between you and the woman and between your offspring and, and her offspring. Now, we'll stop there for just a second. We'll read the, read the rest in a minute. But you think about what's happening here. I, I, I want to give you this picture of the eternal conflict or the fraternal conflict so you and I could see that this is traced all the way through Scripture. Right? It's, it's there and it's relevant all the way through Scripture. And as we look at the story of Joseph, we might be thinking, well, this can't be a type of Christ. Jesus never mentions it. It's never really pointed that it's Jesus. But certainly when you read the storybook Bible, it's all about Jesus, right? And today when we see what the elements that, as, as Moses, remember God's sovereign plan, he establishes it. And then the author, Moses, under the direction of the Holy Spirit, notes it and notices it and gives it to us to see it. This is what he's, Moses is using words that are going to tie together here. The, the two or three things we see here, well, it's three. Uh, one is cursed, right? There was sin and there was a curse that happened because of that sin. And we, along with that curse, what was brought about was hostility. It said, I will put hostility between you and the woman, between your offspring and her offspring. So we have the seed of the serpent having hostility against the seed of the woman. And this will be a theme all throughout Scripture. We'll see that over and over again. So we have curse and we have hostility and then we have blessing as well. Uh, you see the very last part of 15. He says, he will strike your head. This, this is the hostility. Uh, he will strike your head uh, and you will strike his heel. So he's, God is telling the serpent, yes, he, he, the seed of the woman, is going to strike your head. He's going to crush your head. It's going to be a, a death blow to you. Although you might get a little piece of him, you're going to lose. So that's the blessing. That's the, uh, there's a curse and hostility, but there's a promise that goes along with that. Now, if we go on in this, we see uh, more conflict happening throughout Genesis. So in Genesis 4, you can flip with me as you can, uh, chapter, chapter 4, verses 8 through 11. We're, we're going to see here uh, Cain and Abel, right? Cain and Abel bring, out, bring sacrifices to the Lord. Uh, Cain brings one that's not good. Abel does. The Lord says, that's not good. I'm not, I'm, I don't like your offering. I don't like what you gave. You didn't give from the heart. It wasn't from faith. Well, Cain gets mad, right? And we pick it up here in, in, in his response to his brother. Cain said to his brother Abel, let's go out in the field. And while they were in the field, Cain attacked his brother Abel and killed him. What do we see here? We see hostility, right? That hostility is there. It goes on. The Lord said to Cain, where's your brother? And the Lord knew, but he wanted to give a chance. And he said, am I my brother's keeper, right? Then he said, what have you done? Your brother's blood cries out to me from the ground. So what happened because of this hostility? So now you are cursed, alienated from the ground that opened its mouth to receive your brother's blood. So we're seeing this language of, of hostility and curse, and hostility and curse, that ultimately there's a hostility there. There's a conflict happening because of the sin of mankind, because of, because of the seed of the serpent versus the seed of the woman. We're seeing the sovereignty of God at play here. And, and what Moses intends his audience to understand is the conflict between Cain and Abel is an outworking of the conflict between the seed of the serpent and the seed of the woman. And we also see this in Genesis 9 with Noah. You can read that later. But then we see it with Abraham as well in Genesis 12. This is the Abrahamic covenant given to Abraham. And, and, and here's what it says. He says I, God says, I will bless those who bless you. So there's a blessing, right? And I will curse anyone. So there's the curse who treats you with contempt. There's the hostility. 
So you see this language, this pattern that's being developed there. Then he says, again, the, the, the blessing here, but all peoples of the earth will be blessed through you. So we see this, this even through the hostility and through the curse, that there is a promise, a covenant, a blessing to be had. Fast forward now to Genesis 27. We see this theme happening. Again, God in his, in his sovereignty is establishing this as a type and as a, as a, a, a shadow. And, and Moses being led by the Spirit and by God's sovereignty, by his sovereign hand, is showing us how this works together. Now we see this hostility even, even more so now in Genesis 27. You have Esau and Jacob, right? Esau held a grudge. There's a hostility there because Jacob, uh, because of the blessing uh, his father had given him. So Jacob got the blessing, which means Esau got a curse, right? Not the blessing that he should have had. So you have the, the, the curse. You have, you have the hostility here. He says, Esau determined in his heart, the days of mourning for my father are approaching, and then I will kill my brother Jacob. There it is, right? This is the hostility there. So what do we see now in Joseph? If we, if we tie this into Joseph and the language there, because if we just look at Joseph, uh, certainly I'm seeing, uh, yeah, I can see it in the Jesus Storybook Bible, but, but how, are we, how are we identifying this? It's the same line of thought that we see from Genesis 3 all the way through to Genesis now in 37. We see, pick up the story of Joseph. So now Israel, that's Jacob, had loved Joseph more than his other sons because Joseph was born uh, to him in his old age. And he made a long sleeve robe for him. And when his brothers saw that their father loved him more than all his brothers, they hated him and could not bring themselves to speak peaceably to him. Right? There's this hostility that is there now. And, and now they're going to plan to take their brother out and, and to kill him. Jo John chapter 8, we see this with Jesus. I, I want to see how, how we tie this together now. This, this age-old hostility that's been since the beginning of creation until even now. Jesus is talking to the Pharisees. And again, what's at stake here is the seed of the serpent and the seed of the woman. In John 8, 42 to 44, he says this. He said to these Pharisees, he said, If God were your father, you would love me because I am from God and I am here. I didn't come on my own, but he sent me. Why don't you understand what I say? Because you cannot listen to my word. You are of your father, the devil, and want to carry out your father's desires. You see what Jesus is portraying here, the hostility he has? This hostility of Christ uh, versus Satan, right? It's, it's, it's good versus evil portrayed right there, right there for all of us to see. And, and he points it out. He says, listen, you should love me because I am from the father. I am from the seed of the woman. That's, that's where I am. You should love me. You should embrace me. You should know me that way. But you don't. Why? Because you are of the seed of the serpent. Did he say that? Yeah, he said, you, what your father is who? Your father is the devil. That's the seed of the serpent, right? The, your father, the devil. So Jesus is pointing this out, and he goes on and talking about this curse. He says, you want to carry on this curse. You want to carry on the, the, your father's work, and that curse is going to continue to spread. And he talks about Satan. You, he was a murderer from the beginning. The hostility, there it is again. And does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he tells a lie, he speaks from his own nature because he is a liar and the father of lies. So again, there's this hostility and this evil and this, the seed of the serpent is there versus the seed of the woman, Jesus. And Jesus revealed himself to be the one that would come crush him. And, and that, that shows that this ties all back to Genesis 3 now. 1 John 3, 8. The one who commits sin is of the devil, for the devil has sinned from the beginning. Here's the purpose of the Son. The Son of God was revealed for this purpose, to destroy the works of the devil. 
right? Going back to Genesis 3 now. We have Genesis 3 all the way now to Jesus, uh, John, speaking of Jesus in 1 John, that he, he's, the reason he came was to destroy the works of the devil. So Genesis 3, we have the works of the devil and someone going to crush him. Now we have Jesus in 1 John 8, or 1 John, uh, I'm sorry, 1 John 3, saying that he's the one that's going to destroy the works of the devil. He's the one that's going to crush him. And everything in between reveals the curse, the hostility, and the blessing that is to come through faith in Christ. So we kind of set the stage with that, and that helps us see that there is, there is this, this thread of shadow, this thread of a type of Christ through these Old Testament patriarchs that we can see, and we certainly see through Joseph. Again, we see hostility, the curse, covenant blessing within this fraternal conflict. And listen, we see that in our lives too, don't we? I mean, how, how often, we really are going to be honest about our own lives, how often are we at odds with God? How often do we choose to rebel against God and go our own way? And what, what are we choosing? We're choosing to obey the seed of the serpent and, and embrace the curse. And the wages of sin, right, is death, is what Scripture tells us. And, but the free gift of God, the blessing of God, is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. We, we, have to, we have to learn to be better about running away from the hostility, away from enmity and separation from God, and running towards the life that he offers through faith in Christ. He offers life. And I, and I know it. I, it gets, we get caught up. We get caught up in the world and in life, and we just end up in that place of seemingly ho we're hostile towards God in some way, and, and we're, we're indifferent. Maybe we're not even for or against. We're just in the middle, and we're indifferent. We have to wake up. We have to move towards God and away from sin and away from indifference even. Because indifference is not passion. Indifference is not faith. Indifference is, is sitting there waiting to fall into temptation. So for you and I, we, we need to see it in our own lives. We need to see that there's a hostility that, that is in our heart and there's a, a propensity towards sin and, and separation and, and to be hostile towards God. But we also need to see that in faith, we can see the blessing comes over the curse crushing the curse through our faith in Christ, our yielding to him. We'll see more of that in a few minutes. Let's go to number two. The next thing we see here in this story of Joseph, the, uh, the rejected and exalted one, uh, we see the suffering servants. Number two is the suffering servants. So what happens in our story? Where, where does this go, right? Well, hostility leads to suffering, right? And, and, that's, and that's really a hard thing. And, and it comes to us in two different ways. Uh, one, uh, it, when we are hostile towards God, we will suffer for that, right? The wages of sin is death and separation from God. That, there's, a, there's a natural curse and consequence on that. But the, on the other side of it, when we decide to obey and decide to be faithful and the righteous will live by faith, we walk by faith in Christ, we will also suffer for that because the world will be hostile against God and against God's people. And we will suffer because of hostility. Hostility leads to suffering. Whether I create the hostility and I'm hostile towards God or I'm faithful to God and someone else is hostile against me, we will all suffer. I would rather suffer for doing good. I'd rather identify myself uh, in the suffering of Christ and with his suffering than pay for my own suffering because I decided to be hostile against God, right? So we're going to see what happens here in the story. That that's the, there's, when there's hostility, it leads to suffering. So we pick it up in Genesis 37. We see a, a few passages here about what happened to Joseph. Again, the brothers hated him. They saw him in the distance, and, and before they even reached, they plotted to kill him. They said, let's, let's, here he comes. Here comes a dreamer. Now, uh, come on, let's kill him and throw him in the pit. 
and we can say a vicious animal ate him, and then, we'll, then, then uh, what will become of his dreams? We'll see what becomes of his dreams. They were tired of his dreams, right? They, they had set out to kill. There's hostility against him. Well, then he decided, well, let's not kill him, but let's sell him. So in verse 28 of chapter 37, when Midianite traders passed by, his brothers pulled Joseph out of the pit and sold him for 20 pieces of silver to the Ishmaelites who took Joseph to Egypt. Interesting, that betrayal happening there, isn't there? There's a suffering, there's this betrayal that happens. Genesis 39, what happens then? In the middle of the story, he's actually promoted. He's like, wow, you're, you're, a, you're a well put together guy. You're, you're capable. Uh, you're going to be a blessing to our, our, our agency, our company, our, our government. Come on, be established. So he was actually in Potiphar's household and he was, he was first in command after Potiphar of all the household. He took care of it all. Well, but he was betrayed again now by Potiphar's wife who, who wanted to have him in bed. Like you, you come with me. He's trying, she's trying to seduce him. She's trying to betray him with a kiss. That sound familiar? He sold for silver. Now he's betrayed with a kiss. And he resists. He said, no, 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 I'm out of here. I'm not, I would never do that. That's not me. And I don't want to dishonor Potiphar. I'm out of here, right? Well, in verse 19, we pick it up. His master, Potiphar, heard the story his wife told him. What, what was the story the wife told? Well, as he wrote, ran away, she grabbed his robe. And then, hey, Potiphar, because she didn't get what she wanted, she pinned it on him and said, hey, he's, he's a bad guy. He came and tried to do this. And here's even his robe. She lied. She betrayed him, right? So when he heard this story, the wife told him, uh, these are the things your slave did to me. Uh, this is what she said. He was furious and had him thrown into prison where the king's prisoners were confined. So Joseph was there in prison. Interesting, isn't it? That betrayal, that suffering that happens, even to the righteous ones that suffer. But it goes on. Verse 21. But the Lord was with Joseph and extended kindness to him. He granted him favor uh, with the prison warden. So again, God being with even the suffering servant. That we're, we're going to suffer, and Joseph suffered, and, and we see we will suffer, and, and Jesus also suffered. But God was with him. So how did Jesus suffer? How do we see the tie-in with Jesus? Well, Isaiah tells us about it, right? He was despised and rejected by men. He was a man of suffering who, who knew what sickness was. He was like someone people turned their faces away from. He was despised, and we didn't value him. Did Jesus suffer? Absolutely. Jesus suffered, right? Going on, uh, we see in John 8, uh, this is after he's had this spat about them being the, the, their uh, sons of the devil, right? He says, I, I'm telling you, you all cling to Abraham. Before Abraham was, I am. Jesus is saying, I am the one who created Abraham. I am the I am. He's in your midst and you still don't want to believe. And what did they do? They picked up stones to throw at him. They wanted to kill him right there. And by God's sovereignty, he was hidden and he uh, was taken out of the temple. But they wanted to kill him. There's hostility there. There's suffering, right? Jesus is going to suffer. But he's righteous. He's the righteous one. We see this hostility continue in Matthew 26. I'm talking about his brothers who hated him, right? Judas, one of the 12, a man called Judas Iscariot. He went to the chief priest and said this, what are you willing to give me if I hand him over to you? Doesn't that sound exactly like what happened with Joseph? You want to make a deal? Like, I'm going to give Joseph to you. What, what, what's in it for us? We want to sell him. Judas wanting to sell Jesus. So they weighed out 30 pieces of silver for him. And from that time on, he started looking for a good opportunity to betray him. Suffering. Jesus is suffering. Jesus is being betrayed, just like Joseph was. 
we go down, down to Mark 14. This kind of comes to fruition now. It's at the Garden of Gethsemane. He's prayed and he's weeped and he's had this time with God. And then while he was speaking, Judas, one of the twelve, suddenly arrived. With him was a mob with swords and clubs from the chief priests, the scribes, and the elders. His betrayer had given them a signal. Remember what he told them? He says this, The one I kiss, he said, that's the one. Arrest him and take him away under guard. So when he came, immediately he went up to Jesus and said, Rabbi, and kissed him. Betrayed by a kiss. You see the type, the shadow? But see, the substance here is Christ. So he's betrayed. Jesus is handed over to the mob, to the rulers, and he's ultimately crucified. Their plan came to fruition where, where Joseph's, he suffered, but then God brought him out of that and used him and exalted him. Jesus actually died. But that's not the end of the story, is it? And we see this, this passage in Hebrews is amazing. Hebrews 2.10 says this, For in bringing many sons and daughters to glory, so in, in, in wanting to bring many sons and, glories to, to, uh, sons and daughters to glory, in deciding that we would do it this way, here's, here's what God said, in, in bringing many sons and daughters to glory, it was entirely appropriate that God, for whom and through whom all things exist, should make the pioneer of their salvation, that's ours, bringing sons and daughters to glory, so the pioneer of our salvation which was made perfect through suffering. Why? Because of hostility. If you go back to the beginning in, in Genesis 3, there would be always this hostility until it was conquered. Hostility, in order to be conquered, will have to have suffering. Hostility put Christ on the cross. But the, but the curse, right? We had the hostility and the curse. The curse couldn't keep him there. He was perfect and he perfectly defeated death so that we could receive the blessing through him. God uses suffering. God has used Joseph's suffering to point us to Christ's suffering. God has used Christ's suffering and his ultimate resurrection, his exaltation, to be a blessing, a means to bless you and to bless me. How? That through faith in Jesus Christ, we can be forgiven, we can be made whole, and we can have life, eternal life. And that leads us to the final point. The rejected and exalted one, we see number three is the covenant of blessing. We see the covenant of blessing in the rejected and exalted one. All through this entire thing, when we look at types of Christ or shadows of Christ, what we're seeing is, is a, the line and thread of the covenant love of God for his people, the covenant love of God for you, the covenant love of God for me. It's been established there, and it was established that he would not only come, but he would, he would suffer under the curse, and he would die, but the curse would not hold him. He would rise victoriously. Like going back to the beginning of Genesis 12, again, this, this Abrahamic covenant, this larger covenant, I didn't read all of it, it said this, the Lord said to Abraham, go from your land, your relatives, your father's house, to the land that I will show you. I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great. You will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you. I will curse anyone who treats you with contempt. But all the peoples of the earth, all the peoples of the earth will be blessed through you. You, you understand that the covenant love of God was established for all the peoples of the earth. That's where the blessing is to go, to all the peoples of the earth. So when we look at Joseph, we don't just see, man, Egypt and the surrounding areas, the, the entire known world was blessed through him, although we're going to see that. We see the, the covenant nature, the shadow of that, the type of that pointing 
to Jesus as the substance, and that through Jesus, all the world would be blessed through him. And that goes back to Abraham. Blessing is for all people. Joseph, we see a Joseph in, in chapter 41 of Genesis. He, he interprets Pharaoh's dream. He's put in charge of, of making sure there's enough supplies because there's going to be seven years of plenty and then seven years of famine. And he puts, puts everything up he needs to put up to, to last those seven years, and there's enough for the world. right? And so in verse 57, it says this, Now the famine had spread across the whole region. So Joseph opened up all the storehouses and sold grain to the Egyptians. Um, sold, and, and for the famine was so severe in the land of Egypt. And then in verse 57, every land, every land came to Joseph in Egypt to buy grain. For the famine was severe everywhere. See, Joseph was the rejected and ultimately exalted one, wasn't he? It, just like Jesus, uh, the, the, the curse couldn't keep him down. God still used him to bless and be a blessing to the whole world at that moment in time. Joseph, in Joseph, we see the seed of Abraham. We see the seed of the woman whose, whose name has been made great, right? Who's been exalted to the right hand of power to Pharaoh, uh, who's been made fruitful in, in the land of affliction. He's, he's, he's wise in storing up these, uh, these grains and these foods and supplies. And, and he's, he's made wise in that, and he's exalted to the point of blessing all the families of the earth in the midst of an awful famine. We, we see that as the shadow. It's the type. But if he is the shadow, then Jesus is the substance, right? That's, that's the whole point of this. And we see that start to build in Galatians chapter 3. Talking about Abraham. Paul says this, Like Abraham, who believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. So Abraham's faith, he was trusting God. You know that when those who have faith, or, or that those who have faith, they're Abraham's seed. So now he's talking about those who are going to be blessed Right? And, and part of this blessing to Abraham are those who have faith like Abraham. We'll be, we'll be now Abraham's sons. Now, the Scripture saw in advance that God would justify and make right, right the Gentiles by faith and proclaim the gospel ahead of time to Abraham, saying this, all nations will be blessed through you. Consequently, all nations, right? Those who have faith in all nations are blessed with Abraham. All of them who had faith. So now, now it's about you and I. The blessing is, Hey, you have Jesus. Here's the substance. Now you have to have faith. Faith is going to be the thing that gives you the blessing. The blessing is what God gives you through Christ. We see it in Genesis 50. What, what, what man intended for harm, God used for good. See, the brothers, they realize their error. They know they're in sin. They know they've wronged him. So they sent a message to Joseph. And um, the father said in the note, please forgive Joseph. Or say this to Joseph. Please forgive your brother's transgressions and their sins, the suffering they caused you. Therefore, please, please forgive the transgression of the servants of the God of your father. Joseph wept when their message came to him. His brothers also came to him and bowed down before him and said, we are your slaves. You see this response right, to the suffering servant? You see this response to the one who's been exalted, the one who is there to give blessing? It should be repentant faith. They had it. They bowed down and said, we're repentant. We, we forget. We, we've uh, sinned against you. Please forgive us. Joseph said this. He said, don't be afraid. I, am I in the place of God? He says, God had this handled. And he went on to say this in verse 20. Probably a famous verse that many of you have heard before. Genesis 50, 20. You planned evil against me. God planned it for good. To bring about the present result, the survival of many people. 
Isn't it just like God to do that? Isn't it just like God to take suffering and evil and bad and hostility and the curse and turn it around and make a way for there to be blessing for all people? Well, what does it take? It takes repentance, right? Forgiveness is what overcomes the hostility between the seed of the serpent and the seed of the woman. And that forgiveness is intended to be a blessing for the whole world. He, again, is the shadow, but Christ is the substance. John writes in chapter 3 of his gospel, verse 16, God loved the world. Who was the blessing for? All the world. God loved the world in this way. He gave his one and only son so that everyone who believes in him would not perish but have eternal life. That's what God has done for the entire world. The blessing for the entire world is right there for the taking, but it's through faith in Jesus Christ. Faith that he was the one that overcame the hostility. He was the one that overcame the curse. There's no hostility anymore, no more curse. There's only life for those who believe in him. My final passage, I, I, I want us to see this response. This was preached then in Acts chapter 2 uh, during Pentecost. And, and as Peter is preaching this sermon, it, it should help us realize the, the totality, the, the depth of the hostility and curse, but also the depth of the blessing. And in chapter 2, beginning in verse 36, he says this. Tying in with the household of Israel and Abraham and all these things they would know, he says, Therefore let all the house of Israel know with certainty that God has made this Jesus, so talking about Christ, the substance, right? He's made, made this Jesus, whom you crucified. That's a tough one to swallow, isn't it? He's, he's preaching to a crowd who actually yelled crucify on the day that Jesus was killed. Like that, That's who he's, he's preaching to. But he's also preaching to you and me, who, whose sins put Jesus on that cross as much as their crucify chance did. He has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Messiah. He's exalted him. It, the, the suffering servant is the one who suffers and then is exalted, right? He's rejected and exalted. He exalted him. And when they heard this, so what happens when we hear this, when we see this news and we understand the depth of God's love for us and what God has done to establish a, a covenant of love all, through all the shadows, through all the types, to the substance that is Christ, what is our response? When they heard this, they were pierced to the heart. And they said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, brothers, what should we do? What should we do? There's action now on our part. There's action on their part. What should we do? In response to what God has done for us through Christ, what should we do? Peter replied, replied this, repent of your sins and be baptized, each one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins. And then you're going to receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Repent. Bow down. Come before him like Joseph's brothers came before Joseph and said, we have sinned against you. We were wrong. And Joseph, Joseph forgave and gave them the blessing through their repentance. And God is the same for you and I through Christ Jesus. We come to him bowing down in repentant faith, trusting in him, and he gives us forgiveness. And the promise is this in verse 39 of Acts 2. For the promise, the promise that's tied in all the way back to Genesis 3, the promise is for you and for your children, for all who are far off, as many as the Lord will call. 
My hope is that you, you understand and realize that, that there is hostility, there is curse, but there is blessing to be had and that the Lord is calling you to himself. That he's drawing you towards him and, and our response, your response should be bowing down reverently, reverently before him, repenting of your sin, confessing your sin, knowing that you can't do anything on your own and giving yourself to him totally in faith because he's mighty to save. He's ready to forgive. He wants you to know peace through knowing him. These are shadows and types, but the substance is Christ. And our response to Christ must be humble, repentant faith. Amen? Would you stand with me as we pray and continue our service? Father, we thank you so much for your grace and mercy. We thank you that we can look at the scriptures and God, as the shadows are over every page, we see every word whisper your name. We're thankful for that. And God, as we see these types of Christ, we see them, them sovereignly uh, put there for us by you, led by your spirit. God, these, these authors have, have noticed it and noted it for us that we can see this thread of Jesus the thread of the covenant love of God through every page of the Bible. We thank you for that. God, as we look at hostility, as we look at the curse, as we look at blessing, God, I, I pray that you would help us to see that, that that curse has affected all of us, that hostility lives inside of us. But God, it can be overcome because the purpose of the Son of Man was to destroy the works of the devil. And you've done that through your death, and ultimately your resurrection. We thank you for the life that you offer. We thank you that you conquered death for us. Help us to humble ourselves and come to you every day, responding to you in faith and in faithfulness, knowing that you are the one that gives the blessing. And that blessing is not only for us, but it's for everyone who would come to faith in Christ. We thank you. We love you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.